following program contains language and subject matter that you may consider unsuitable for children. Parental discretion is advised. Greetings, Herfman. Uh, His Highness the Jackal. The Jackal. I'm going to pass the reins to Mr. Jackal, the new king of radio. <laughs> yes. Allow me to puff as well. Yeah. Uh, Those are some powerful herbs. <laughs> giving me dark visions. Shall we pack this again? I, I'm not giving visions. I'm not sure if it's working, is it? Visions. Visions. Thaddeus, are you seeing what I'm seeing? You making a fool of yourself. <laughs> I think Jacko's a Rubino. I'm not sure, but he'll give it to you again. Hold on one second here. The Jacko. Welcome one, welcome all. Anyone listening from here to the cosmos, you're listening to Inside the Jackal's Head on this beautiful Sunday, August 4th, 2019. I want to thank everyone for joining me on PSN Radio. And uh, this is going to be a very special evening. We're doing something really cool tonight. We're going to have... Our guest, Robert D. Morningstar, joining us within the first hour. We have a lot to cover. He is, of course, uh, a legend, an icon, not just in my own head, but on this show, on this network. He's been on here, I think, more than anyone. I think the only one running up to him is probably Steve Bassett, who I hope to have on here pretty soon. But welcome, everybody, to the show. The Big Hit is back live and uh we're uh, we're doing things strong i want to give uh the website out real quick uh psn-radio.com of course is where you're listening live but i have a brand new website which is just uh, rolled out uh well it really has been around for about a month now but i really started like cracking down on it within the last uh, few days and uh, you can uh, look up all my swag, all my info over at www.angelespino.com. That is now the ultimate hub. As you guys uh, who have been following me for a long time, uh, hopefully. And for those new listening, uh, angelespino.com is a website that I've had domain for a while, but never did much with it. And uh, now I, uh, I've i been using thejackal.com and insidethejackalshead.com and thejackalshead.com all to promote this show. And uh, all those links are going to eventually uh, be going right back into angelespinal.com. So make sure you bookmark that. You can listen live there. You can listen live on psn-radio.com. Soon soflowradio.com will uh, be picking up the stream back up. I've uh, been talking to George, and uh, check out the website over there. It's looking fantastic, if I may say so myself. And uh, again, tonight we have Robert D. Morningstar joining me very shortly. I am super excited to talk to uh, my friend Robert, who I have not spoken to on air in a long time. And uh, we chat on Facebook once in a while, but it's not the same. And there's a lot of things happening politically right now that I really wanted to, uh, you know, talk to him about and uh, get his point of view, his POV, just to see where he stands on a few things. Me and Robert share our uh, 
believe that we have the correct president in the White House. He is a uh, mega supporter. That's right. He's a Donald Trump supporter like myself. And uh, you will see that when you go to angelespino.com. It's clear as day that I support the president. And uh, speaking of which, now that uh, I'm getting my land feet back on, on this radio thing, it took me a, a couple of episodes to really understand what I was doing right and wrong again. And uh, I wanted to uh, give a shout out to a couple of folks who have been very, very uh, encouraging, uh, to say the least, about my return. Lou Sheehan, very encouraging uh, in his, uh, uh, you know, welcoming me back on the air, on the show. Uh, it's been a while, and do, of course, from the Skywatchers Future Theater Days, so uh, big shout-outs to Big Lou. Uh, another uh, immediate shout-out, because you're doing something very important tonight that I wanted to get to, and, I, you know, it's happening within the next hour. Unfortunately, I could not be there. It's uh, taking place in... Uh, Historic Everett Theater out in Washington, and uh, this is uh, a mega event for the uh, film Devils 5, The Beast Has Risen, by Barton Wickham, and of course, uh, this is uh, a good friend of the show as well, we uh, wish him well, it's a West Coast red carpet world premiere of the thrilling new horror feature. Devils 5, and uh, hopefully, uh, again, it goes well for him, he's a good guy, and uh, I'm eager to see what uh, he put together, tickets are 5, 10 bucks, if you guys are down in Washington, and uh, you're going over there, I hope uh, everybody enjoys it, get back to me on uh, the Jackal set here, let me know what you thought, I want to hear from you guys uh, who might be out there, shout out to Out of Sight from uh, back in the day. Speaking of uh, Seattle, Washington, and the uh, Rush Project, shout-outs to uh, good friends out in Seattle. Always a good time. And uh, actually, I, I hope to be out there pretty soon and uh, maybe hang out with uh, some of those folks in person. That would be kind of nice. Uh, I'm going to be doing some traveling, in fact, on the website. You're going to uh, follow along, and you're going to... Uh, see a lot of upgrades and a lot of things I'm going to be posting on there, uh, including my travels, and uh, there's going to be a lot of video content going on that site, angelespino.com, and let's see here, we have some news and some uh, audio clips I wanted to get to, and uh, then we're going to have Mr. Robert D. Morningstar joining us live guys and again we have so much to catch up on that we uh we, we couldn't just have him on during the second hour i you know i talked to robert and i was like man we got to have you on during the first hour for at least the first 20 30 minutes uh after i do my intro monologue and uh go from there and he was game as always he's uh, a heck of a, of a good you know sport and he's podcasting himself. I would like to think that, you know, we had something to do with it on the show here and on Skywatchers because he was on our show a lot. 
I'm talking about a lot, folks. And uh, I'm not complaining. I, I love having Robert on. Like I said, he's one of my favorite uh, guests, human beings, uh, person. Uh, and uh, just talking to him, you know, is a blessing because we're both breathing. And as long as we're doing that, we're good. Uh, but uh, he's been on the show uh, many times, and uh, every time he's on, it seems like time flies by when we don't have enough time with him. So I'm going to welcome him on uh, pretty soon. But uh, I do want to get to a couple things uh, that are in the news. If you uh, guys know who rapper ASAP Rocky is, he was uh, recently in a little uh, Swedish uh, scandal. He was facing some serious time up there, and uh, he was recently released from prison and guess who helped out big that's right Mr. 45 himself in fact ASAP Rocky is so happy that uh, you know somebody stood up for him when uh, a lot of folks on the left who you'd figure would be crying out for for help did nothing and here came uh, Mr. 45 himself, President Trump, started tweeting, started calling, uh, and uh, he made a big impact in getting ASAP Rocky out of prison. So uh, here's the audio clip. There's a video on angelspeedle.com. If you guys go there, you'll see the full video clip of him thanking the president. He's wearing his new mega cap. That's right. He's got the cap on. He's joined mega country. And uh, he's uh, one of us now. Look at Check that. ASAP Rocky home, man. But I told y'all niggas. Y'all niggas ain't had no faith in Trump, didn't you? Bitch ass niggas. Since y'all like celebrities and shit, how can he be racist? He just went out and got a black man out of motherfucking a bad situation. We all going to rolling out this year. Met life. ASAP Rocky, we all wearing our MAGA hats. We going hard. All right, we going deep. MAGA hats. ASAP Rocky, we coming out to support. Feel me? We ain't got to say free ASAP no more. ASAP home. What y'all going to say now? I ain't seen no Democrats fighting for that. They was going against the homie. So we going to go in full force and support ASAP Rocky at Rolling, Out, Rolling Loud. MetLife Stadium. I'm going to be there. Pull up. You'd be surprised, how, you know, how many um, African-Americans, black uh, you know, supporters uh, are coming out now in favor of the president, even though the left will have you think that every black person in America hates the president. Uh, it's funny because I've said it many times before he ran for for office, he was loved within the hip-hop community. They loved this man. And, of course, as soon as he beats Hillary, the left goes on this full hate charge. And I think it's more than just uh, because he beat Hillary. I think this has a lot to do with Jeffrey Epstein, has a lot to do with the Deep South in the Deep... Uh, oh, hold on. That's a car. And, uh, again, we're not in our typical soundproof studio. There's going to be some background noise once in a while. Sorry about that. But, uh, like I was saying about the president, you know, I, I think that uh, the reason the left hates him so much is because, you know, he's he's going to expose some of these people from the swamp. And he's doing things for the African-American community, which, again, you heard it right there from ASAP Rocky. Nobody on the left was standing up for him. And uh, yet, you know, at every chance to want to yell racism, racist, racist. Like, the president can't take a crap 
it be brown and somebody say, well, say, uh, you're racist. Your poop should be gold or green. It can't be brown like the rest of, uh, of the world. No, Mr. Trump, you got to poop a different color because that's racist poop. That's a bad it's gotten in America. But I'm happy to see ASAP Rock or ASAP Rocky uh, really, uh, you know, show support back for the president. They wore the make a cap and the make a shirt. And uh, you heard it right there. Sorry about the uh, swearing. I should have warned uh, the world that it's going to be uh, some foul language in that clip. Uh, but still, uh, just happy to see him out and about. Again, you can see the the full video on angelspinal.com. Let's go to another clip here. Now, this is uh, crazy, guys. Uh, in New York, uh, Cuomo passed the bill, or he tried to. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how legit this thing is. It really can't be. Uh, but basically what he's trying to do is uh, he's trying to make it so illegal uh, folks that are in the country uh, can go and uh, register to get a driver's license. Now think about this for a second. If you're in this country illegally, you're already breaking the law, right? So, how can you give somebody who's breaking the law, who's not here illegally, has no papers, no documents, we don't know who they are, where they really came from, uh, in a lot of cases, we don't even know what their real names or identity is, because we have not vetted a lot of these people, how can you uh, sit there and give them a driver's license? Which, was the question, why would anybody do this? Well, there's an easy answer. When you got a driver's license, it's an easy path to get a voter card. Now, if you want to talk about rigging the election, right? You don't need to look to Russia. Look at things like this. You know they're doing this because uh, they want to get these newly fresh-faced illegals that just came in. Give them driver's license, voter ID cards, and say, okay, now you go vote. For one of our Democratic candidates, the one we pick, which at this point is probably going to be Joe Biden, you know, Creepy Joe, Sleepy Joe, Pedophile Joe, Molesting Joe, whatever you want to call him, ex-Vice President, under Barack Hussein Obama, whatever you want to uh, label him. But there is one person in New York who has come forward. He's an uh, ID clerk, and uh, this is uh, phenomenal. The fact this man has come forward and has spoken out against the left. And, well, he's not going to follow this bill. It's unconstitutional. It's, it goes again, it's really, it's a federal offense. And then, Mr. Cuomo, uh, you might be in some hot water because you're trying to pass uh, laws here that are against the federal government and against uh, things that are already in the books and things that, well, hurt a fair election. You're obstructing a fair election. You're literally putting yourself out there as somebody who is trying to hijack the election. Now, why has another media picked up on this? Why are we not hearing this on CNN, NBC, MSNBC, CBS? Any of these pundits, 
because they don't want you to hear the facts, folks. But check this out. Listen to this audio. A New York County clerk says he won't be enforcing uh, the state's new green light law after Democratic Governor Andrew Cuomo signed the law allowing illegal immigrants to get driver's licenses. Erie County clerk Michael Kearns says not only will he direct illegal immigrants back to the state, but he plans to fight this in court, too. And he joins us live this morning. Michael, thank you for your time. We certainly appreciate it. This is something that, you know, we've been discussing a lot over the last few weeks is once this driver's license is issued, aside from the obvious being able to drive, what else can people do with this license? Can they register to vote? And how important is it that we're talking about this and that you make a change? Good morning, Rob and Jillian. This is a very important. This is not only about the law. This is about security and this is about voter fraud. Uh, in the auto bureaus in New York, people can register to vote. And when there was discussion on the assembly and Senate floor, the sponsors of the bill said there are already people in New York who are voting illegally. Yeah, let's uh, let's read off something here from the Erie County Board of the Election Commissioner uh, regarding the concerns about voter fraud, because I think in 2020, a lot of illegal immigrants would have a good reason to want to vote in this country uh, with the current political environment. Here's the quote. We are confident safeguards will be established that will prevent illegal voter registration and other unauthorized uses. It's important to emphasize that voter fraud is and will remain virtually non-existent in New York state. Do you buy that? I don't buy that because we know, uh, I spoke with ICE, and one of the things they told me and conveyed to me that uh, when they apprehend people who are here illegally, one of the forms of identification they have is a voter card. Uh, in the auto bureau, uh, with the new technology in New York, with the motor voter law, uh, people are asked themselves to fill out a form to vote. So we know there is already fraud. And when you talk about uh, security and homeland security, we know that this document, especially a license, which is a privilege in New York, will be a gateway document for people to not only vote, uh, but to commit fraud and crimes. And it's not just New York, Michael. Let's bring up this map because it's 12 U.S. states and D.C. that are offering licenses to illegals. And you can see all the states outlined there. Um, why did you decide to take this stand? Did you have any hesitation in doing it? Because I'm sure you knew that you were going to get a lot of backlash. Well, number one, uh, it's in conflict to federal law. Federal law right now, it is illegal uh, to hire people who are here illegally. Uh, there are already ways for people. The University of Buffalo, a great institution uh, in western New York, uh, if you have a student visa, you can get a driver's license. We have, uh, we're on a border of an international uh, country, Canada. We have international companies. You can get a driver's license. You need proper documentation. And the thing that really upset me is you have veterans and senior citizens coming in, and with the Real ID Act, I have to turn them away when they don't have proper documentation. So you need a higher standard for a citizen than someone that's here illegally. You know, Democrats will say that, you know, illegal immigrants, especially in a state like New York, are already driving. They're already working. All this does is at least give them some kind of identification and, and kind of keeps tabs on people. They say it would be a good thing to do this. What do you say? Well, one of the things that's going to happen with this bill is uh, the commissioner is going to destroy the record. Uh, law enforcement, the state police in New York, they came out against this law because you won't be able to do background checks. So it's not going to make us safer. I met with Homeland Security. I met with ICE, and they conveyed to me their concern that it will make our communities more dangerous. This is an opportunity, a gateway document, to change people's identity. So we're talking about serious information here. I'm not going to 
violate federal law. I took an oath of office to swore to defend the Constitution, and I'm going to continue to do that in Erie County. And we're not going to issue driver's licenses. There's no funding coming back from Albany. It's an unfunded mandate. And I can go on and on on why this is wrong. That gentleman is a real American uh, doing uh, what's right. Uh, listen, uh, the fix is in. Right, this is how they're going to try to rig the election. Uh, Hillary didn't run this time because she was in on the fix the last time. And even with the rig and everything they tried, they still could not beat Trump. Now it's become clear where these players are. Um, it's clear where their agenda is. You could see it on a, on a regular basis. I mean, you have to be either deaf, blind, or stupid to not see what was happening here. These socialists on the left are, you know, rigging the election right before your eyes. Now, you know, we're getting a lot of folks from Venezuela coming in also, and a lot of those folks are conservative. They're going to vote for Trump. And because they know what's happening in their country, and they don't want to see it here. But, you know, a lot of them are coming here legally. Legally, not illegal. They're coming here the right way, legally. They're doing, you know, the right things to get here from Venezuela. I know a lot of them. But what the problem is, uh, the folks that are coming here illegally are being treated better than the folks that are coming here legally. Than our some of our veterans, some of our own citizens. I mean, they're they're killing the, the whole world, and they don't have to worry about anything. Now, I came here as an immigrant as a, as a child, and my uh, parents did it the legal way. So when I look back and I see what's happening, I mean, I get scared, and uh, to know that you know this is happening uh, in New York. Of all places. I mean, how crazy is this? And this is not a race issue, folks. Okay, a lot of people like to say, well, it's racist because you're just targeting uh, Mexicans. No. It's anybody who's in the country illegally, okay, who was not supposed to be here. Um, like, you know, it's been said, some of them are good people that are just trying to have a better life, and, you know, I, I feel bad for these people because I understand their plight. Believe me, I do, but they have to enter this country the right way. We cannot continue to be open borders like Obama had it for eight years, have the left want to open it even more if they have their way. Uh, you know, this country, uh, will be, you know, full of, uh, illegals within 24 hours. I mean, they'll let everybody in. And, uh, I think it was, um, I could be mistaken. It might have been, it might have been Elijah Cummings or one of these, uh, morons in Congress who said something about the continent on an island tipping over. Well, if you let everybody in, I don't know about tipping over, but it's uh, it's going to do some uh, major land damage because we can't feed 
First of all, everybody who wants to come into this country, I mean, yes, we, we have enough food to go around. I understand that. But if you open the borders wide open and you talk about hundreds of millions of people that might want to come into this country. Now think about that. There's no way to, to be able to, to sustain that. And they want to, and these crazy Democrats want to give them free everything. Now, Free is not really free, folks. Who do you think is going to pay for all these things? That's the one thing they don't tell you. They want to feed you this crazy, beautiful narrative. Green New Deal. Right? But who ends up uh, paying for it? The American citizen. The taxpayer. But if the country goes socialism... Surely they're going to abolish the tax system, right? The government will take care of everything. Well, what happens when the government runs out of money? What happens when uh, these folks can't feed? When your average citizen is now uh, unable to get a job, feed their family? What do you think is going to happen? You're looking at Venezuela on a massive scale. That's what this country will become. That's why we need a wall. That's why we need protection. You don't have a country where you don't have a border. If you don't have a border, you don't have a country. It goes both ways, it's yin and yang. We got to accept that it's a fact. Other countries have borders, and nobody calls them racist. Why Why here? Why now? Especially when Clinton, Bush Jr., Obama, they've all spoken about needing more help at the border over the years. But as soon as Trump says that he's the evil racist, but listen, Mexico is doing their part now, and uh, traffic has slowed down a bit, which is good, but it's still not where it needs to be. So we need more protection. We need that wall built. Uh, Buildthewall.com is a great website. You guys should check it out if you want to donate. They're still doing uh, this, uh, you know, major construction out there, and they're helping in their own way. They've uh, raised millions of dollars at this point, guys, and... It's amazing. So check out buildthewall.com also, as well as, of course, uh, you know, support the president in 2020. Support the right people uh, into office next year. And uh, let's get the Democrats out of there. We need to get the four horsewomen of the apocalypse, the fraud squad, removed, first and foremost. Uh, we got to sing about Elon, uh, Elon Omar, the, one of the, the, the biggest uh, haters of this country in Congress. Uh, I mean, the, you know, the smirk on, on that woman's face just makes me want to punch the wall sometimes. It, it's uh, an incredible thing that she's even in Congress. She should be thanking her lucky stars that she was allowed to be in this country, but I saw a piece on Glenn Beck recently where they 
completely connected the dots to the fraudulent marriages that she's been involved in. And uh, she should be uh, indicted and doing some prison time, not in Congress uh, trying to destroy our way of life here in America. Her and her uh, sisterhood of evil, uh, of course, the, the lovely Alejandra Ocasio-Cortez. AOC by some, and as the president just uh, shortened and calls her Cortez. I think he just has a problem with uh, Alejandra Ocasio-Cortez. It's it's long, it, you know, there's uh, the whole Spanish thing, and, you know, he, he likes to, to, he's quick-witted, man, so he shrunk it down to just Cortez. And it sounds uh, a little more, like, mysterious also. Trump going at Cortez, right? I'm just saying. That's a spirit. Well, it, it's uh, almost time to get our uh, guest on the line here, so let's do this. We're going to hit a break, and when we come back, we're going to have the one and only Mr. Robert Morningstar joining us live for the next uh, remainder of the show. Uh, again, I'm super excited to have him on here with us, and uh, he's a good friend of the network great friend of the show and of myself and one of my favorite human beings on this little green blue planet that we call La Tierra. So when you have good friends, we've got to play good music. This is Jesse Randolph with the song Good Friends. We'll be right back, everybody. Alright everybody, welcome back to PSN Radio's Inside the Jackal's Head. That is uh, Tim Brennan with Enemy, one of my uh, favorite uh, bumper music uh, to play here on the show. Great guy, we're going to have him back on soon. Uh, Tim Brennan makes fantastic music. Very creepy music videos too, by the way. But uh, really cool dude, and I always uh, thank him for letting me use his music on the on the show here. And uh, now I'm excited and thrilled to be joined by not just uh, uh, you know a local legend here on the network, uh, uh, somebody I call a friend, somebody that we've been you know we've had a long time, and uh, we've gone through similar experiences over the years. And it's somebody who I always, uh, you know, admired from afar. And then when I got the chance to be friends with him years and years ago, I've locked that in. And thank uh, so much for having him on here. Once again, Robert D. Morningstar is a civilian intelligence analyst, a psychotherapist in the great city of New York. He received a degree in psychology from Fordham University. He's an expert in Chinese language, history, martial arts, and is an FAA licensed pilot, something I wish I could do with my life, but I, I'm afraid of heights. And of course, uh, he's uh, an instrument ground instructor with uh, 23 plus, maybe 24 and 25 at this point, years of flying experience. Robert has studied the paranormal ufology for over 40 years, folks. Has published many research articles on the internet exposing government cover-ups, deception in the JFK assassination. His work is cited in major books on the assassination, notably in the uh, Paris uh, Flamont, uh, um, the assassination of an American 
of America and the Conspiracy Science by Professor uh, James Fetzer. I'm pretty sure I butchered the book's name, but uh, he has also written extensively to expose NASA's use of disinformation, which is becoming more and more clear every day in the technology. They're holding back in suppression as evidence of extraterrestrial life and exposing the real nature of the threat of of the UFO phenomenon that we've all been under for the last 40 years. He is currently associated with the uh, UFO Digest. He's been doing some podcasting. And again, one of my favorite human beings on the planet, Robert D. Morningstar. Welcome back to the show, sir. Thank you so much for being on live with me. Thank you very much for having me. It's uh, a pleasure to, honestly, it's a pleasure to hear your voice on the radio again. It's been a long time. It, it, it has. Yeah. You're not kidding. Yes, it's been, a, I think it's been about two and a half uh, years uh, since, uh, you know, both of us went through similar experiences. And there's a recovery period, you know, the loss of your parents is, uh, it's an archetypal experience. And we we go through it, and I'm happy to say that um, I fulfilled my mother's wishes. You know, my mother said to me, "I never want to die in a hospital, and I never want to die in a nursing home. Please, never take me to a nursing home." I promised her that, and I saw her through the end. My my um, my family, my friends, and I saw her through the end. She died on her birthday. At wow. 90, as we sang happy birthday to her. And as she passed away, my mother had a wonderful sense of humor. And I could feel mirth and happiness and humor coming from her at the thought. And here I am in 93, I'm dying, and they're singing me happy birthday. And it was a very beautiful way to go. So we were speaking before the show. Yeah, about this, you've gone through mm. it, and I've gone through it, and you asked if I could, if I would be willing to talk about this uh, psychic element that happened, and I am. So, if you would, I'll, I'll, I'll give some consolation to please. you. Please, yes, I, please. I feel that this experience gives hope and consolation to all of those who have lost their loved ones, especially today, to all of those. In California, in Texas, mm. and Ohio, yes, for this this onslaught against our very our very nature, our soul, the love of life. So I would like to say this: the week after my mother's death was a very, very uh, trying experience. As I said, there's there's so much you have to do in the postmortem period, you know, taking care of the funeral, the body, all of that. And at the end of a yep. week, very, very uh, debilitating. So I went down into my bedroom here, adjacent to this room, and I lay down in the dark. And about a minute later, as I was contemplating my life, which is what I do, some people call it praying, and I, I, I review the day and I thank God for whatever happened. You know, I'm happy to be alive and to be healthy. And at that moment, I felt someone come into the room. And this person walked up to the edge of my bed and touched my shoulder, and it felt like the fabric of a of a of a of a dress or a nightgown touching gently touching my shoulder. And when that touch uh, was applied, 
this energy started to enter my body through my shoulder to the contact point and it started to fill me up, my right side being filled up. And as I said to you before the show, I felt like I was being infused with helium or, or something, uh, kind of like inflating a balloon. It was entering my body, it went into my chest, it went into my lungs, it went down my sides, past my ribs. And when half of me was full, I, w I realized, oh my God, this is my mother. You know, and then I said a strange thing to myself. This is my mother. But the presence was so awesome. I said, but this is more than my mother. And I didn't know why. So I, when I had that thought, a light burst out inside me. And I saw white light radiating through from the inside of my body. And suddenly I felt a lightning a lightning bolt go through my spine from the tail, from my tail to behind my heart. And it went through my spine like a rotor rooter. It was like a tornado of white lightning. That's all I can say. It was like a tornado of light, white lightning coring out my spinal column and boring up to the region of my heart in my, behind, you know, your heart is in the front and in the back. Well, the chakra, everybody thinks about the heart chakra being in the front of your solar plexus. Well, you know, it's behind you, too. And it's right, scary. Right. So this You're is, absolutely right. People do coordinate that with the, the front of the chest. Always. Yeah. And so yeah. this white, this tornado of white electricity raced through me. And then I acknowledged it was my mother. And I, cried, I, I said, mother, mother. Yeah. And when I said, because... All I had was breath. The rest of me was paralyzed. So I advise people when you find yourself in these, uh, you know, quasi-paralytic states, you're awake but you can't move, the best thing to do is to marshal your, your breath and make an ah sound, a deep, resonant ah sound that will shake your the muscles of your throat and your larynx. And that will break the spell. But you have to draw in that, think of it as your last breath and just... One of the things I, that... Uh, this has happened several times when you have spiritual experiences. When you see a ghost, often people are paralyzed. And once it happened to me in England, and I yelled out, Amen Ra! And that blew the thing away. Because the thing that came was quasi-Egyptian. But in this instance, in this instance, it was definitely my mother. And when I said, Mother, Mother... Did you notice any uh, like similar smells to, you know, your mom? Because I've had no, that no. experience. It, it, it was, yeah, it was not olfactory at all. It was tactile and sensational. And that's, a, you know, that is an appropriate use of that word. Mm. This is sensational. This was sense, senses and feelings. And when I called and uh, called to her... That broke the paralysis and very, very gently the, the power went away. I mean, the presence went right. away. Now, I'll remind you that I said to myself, this is my mother, but this is more than my mother. The next day, I awakened, and in the afternoon, I got a call that my stepfather had died in California. Oh, my goodness. And he had received word the week before, the day after my mother died. He had been in hospital. He had taken a fall. And they told him that uh, my mother was dead. And he just sighed and turned his, turned his head to the side, and sadly. And then that was it. He just gave it up. And you know why? what I think happened? 
I think the two of them, even though they were divorced, they really loved each other. Mm. And neither one wanted to be the first to die to give the grief of a loss to the other person. And I think that's why they lived so long. They, mm. they didn't want to make the other person suffer by dying first. And, you know, folks, that's, I think that's true love. And so I share that with you to give you my affirmation, my belief in the afterlife, the immortality of the soul, and the fact that the love that we have for others, and especially our parents and our siblings, or anyone, if that love is true, it transcends death, and the bond remains, the bridge is intact between you and that loved one. I will share one more one more experience, which deals with my grandfather. Mm-hmm. And he died in 1979 in San Diego. I'm very sensitive as a psychic. I have died the deaths or been greeted by people who were leaving. Some of them were famous people. I died the death of Christopher Reeves. I died the death of Ronald Reagan. Um, I saw Elizabeth Taylor ascending the stairway going off. Uh, on the night that she died. I don't want to get into those uh, heavy details, but my grandfather's is really interesting because I I was closer to him uh, than any other person because, uh, you know, he was... He's my grandfather, what can you say? And I spent my first few years with him since my father was mm-hmm. a merchant marine captain and out to sea, so he was the... the father final. figure. Yeah, the primary yeah. father and grandfather figure. But when he passed away, I didn't feel a thing. But that was because I was in turmoil. I had uh, broken up with a, a, a lady, a girl that I was very much in love with. But there were so many people against our being together that they broke us up. Anyway, mm. I was, you know, bent out of shape emotionally. So when he died, I didn't feel a thing. But when I got over it, um, a couple of months later, I had this amazingly vivid dream that I was walking through the Great Pyramid of Giza and I was dressed in white and I was dressed as a, a, a priest of the, of the Temple of Giza. And I walked through the halls and I knew every turn. I knew the Grand Gallery. I knew the Great Step. I, I walked into the King's Chamber and those of you who study the pyramid know that there is a, a sarcophagus, an open sarcophagus in there inside the king's chamber in which the body was supposed to lie uh, traditionally. Well, in this remote viewing or in this lucid dream, I walked up to the sarcophagus and looked in, and my grandfather was in there, dressed in white with a pharaoh's robe and the crook and the flail of the pharaoh, and he was dead. And I looked upon him with detachment, you know, because I know the soul is what lives and the body is like an envelope. So I'm looking at him with that detachment and suddenly he opens his eyes and he sits upright and he raises his right hand and he says to me, Son, now we have the power. And what he was saying to me is, Son, you're alive on that side of the realm and I'm alive on this side of the realm, the death realm. And the two of us are in communion. We're still together. And we can communicate. And I can send you information. I can give you... You can give me information. I can send you information. That's what I meant by 
the bridge is open, the bridge is intact. We don't die. The body does. If you identify yourself with the body, then you will be at a loss when you die. Oh, yeah. yeah. If you, and I have had, I have had uh, the experience of having three near-death experiences, and they were all very beautiful. And I told one on your show, my soul was leaving my body, and I was in a room with two, uh, two lovely ladies who were my friends, and one of them had a little daughter who was three years old. And I was leaving, and I saw the light, and the light was beautiful, and it was God. And I said, God, I'm not afraid to die. This is absolutely beautiful, but please don't let me die in front of this little girl. If I drop the body here, you know, her mother and my friend will freak out, and she'll be traumatized for life. And Lord, please don't let me die in front of this little girl. And when I said that prayer, down. The soul was leaving up through my spine and rising out of my head, and the soul enveloped my whole body. And I could feel that my hair was inside. That's that's the strangest mm. thing to say. But who I am grew wider and bigger, like an envelope, a magnetic field around me. And that's what I think the soul really is from this experience. So then, you feel it, you feel you grew wiser also after your your near death experience, like I think it, that, not only not only mentally but emotionally also. Oh um, yes, because you know when you see the other side of death. The fear of death leaves you. Do you know that when Steve Steve Jobs died, he was awake and conscious till the very end? And do you mm-hmm. know what his last words were? His, he building the iPhone. No, <laughs> no, no, no. It was an exclamation. He said, wow. Oh, wow. And uh, what's the name of the... Lou Reed... I tell you, let me tell you, you know, you, you know, I love Tai Chi. I've been doing it for 40 oh, years, yeah. 47 years. Well, I didn't know that Lou Reed studied Tai Chi and practiced Tai Chi. And Lou Reed died doing mm-hmm. the Tai Chi form. And I said to myself, my God, what a wonderful way to go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really, no kidding. <laughs> honestly, to, to have that and uh, to be able to do it. So, listen, death is an illusion. It's only a veil. Uh, we who are here now will be there then. <laughs> That's the simplest way to express my philosophy. You know, I, I, I didn't believe as much in the afterlife until I, my mother passed away, and, and now uh, I'm almost uh, at 100% that there is something else uh, outside of our flesh and bone existence. Mm-hmm. And the thing that really tipped me over, Robert, is the experience my father had. Not so much mm-hmm. the one I had. Uh I've had several since my mother passed away, uh, several personal experiences. But what my father went through, the moment of her death, is something that still haunts me because my father's the street shooter. I mean, he doesn't really talk about uh, ghosts, the paranormal. It's not his, you know, his cup of tea. Uh, he's very political. He's conservative. He doesn't make up stories. He's, you know, he's 70 also, and, uh, he's one of these guys, he's just, he, he's Spanish, old school, you know, type of individual. And he was, uh, divorced from, from my mother for about, uh, almost 18 years, 16 years, something around there. Mm-hmm. And he, God bless him, was at the hospital every single day almost that she was there for about a month and a half that she was yeah. in the hospital. I mean, he spent more time there than my siblings. 
which mm-hmm. is shameful on the siblings because mm-hmm. between me and my father, I mean, we were there constantly. I would walk two blocks just to get from the parking lot to her room, and I had a broken foot at the time, Robert. I'm not even kidding. Um, I broke my ankle two months before she went to the hospital, and oh, it, yeah. was one of, it was one of those things where I didn't need a crutch. I, I had a cast on my foot. I said, screw it. My mother is in the hospital. You know, nothing's more important than her. So I literally, I, right now I'm still going through uh, issues with my foot because it never healed properly. As you can imagine, walking on a broken foot doesn't uh, let it heal properly. Uh, but my father, who had no obligation to be there, was there constantly, had been divorced. He mm-hmm. still showed up. The moment she passed away, and this is what tipped me over, Robert, he was standing next to her. He was holding her hand. I was arguing with the nurse. It's a long story behind why I'm arguing with the nurse. I am facing my mother, and I hear her take her last breath. Like, I, I literally was looking just right to the left of her, to where the nurse was standing. My father mm-hmm. was right to her right, holding her hand. And I'm facing up, but I hear the breath. It was very loud. And I see the nurse just flip out. She runs out of the room. And my father is there, like, stone-faced, you know, like like he had seen something he wasn't supposed to see, you know? Uh, yeah. And I'm arguing, arguing, arguing. My mother passes away. I I go into shock. I started hysterically crying, as you can imagine. And... um Later on, uh, after, you know, the event happened and, uh, we were all, you know, escorted away by, by the way, by the police because they got really ugly. And, um, my father came to me and said, listen, I have something to tell you. And what he told me was that the moment that she passed away, he literally saw her spirit leave her body. And... Again, my father doesn't make up stories. Right. He's he's not a, a quote-unquote spiritual type of individual, not super ultra-religious. Mm-hmm. He believes in the in God. He has his own belief system, but he's not. Uh, he doesn't belong to any religious uh, doctrine, in other words. Yeah. But he swore to me. He said, "I know what I saw. The moment she stopped breathing, a white mist exited her body." It stood there, it had human form, and it looked like her, but it was all white, and you could see right through it, or through whatever this thing yeah, was. Yeah, translucent, yes, I've right. experienced and yeah, there is a reason why they're white. And yeah. he, he said it looked right at him, and it looked at what was happening, and it just walked away and disappeared. And that's the best way he could describe what he saw, Yeah. and he was freaking out. I mean, this man, again, 70... Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a little bit younger when, when she passed, but now mm-hmm. he's in the seventies, and uh, he was he was hysterical at what he saw, but at the same time it was comforting to him. He said because yes. he was like, now I know. Yeah. Was and his state? What his was his state of mind at that moment? You were arguing with the nurse, but mm-hmm. I would hazard that he was not involved in the argument. Is that correct? At all. At yeah, all. He, he was. He at was, all. He was. Uh, connected to your mother a hundred percent. So yeah. this would be my explanation to you why he saw it and you didn't, because you were in such an angry and agitated state with this woman. Yes, it affected you know your soul, and that's why I advise people against uh, succumbing to anger. Yeah. Anger blinds you. 
anger blinds you to to many things uh, in your environment, the good things as well as the bad things, mm-hmm. and it's it's a uh, it's a very debilitating force. A lot of people depend on anger for strength in the moment. I used to be one of those guys, but it is so debilitating and it is so destructive, and it deprived you of that privilege uh, in that moment. But thank God that your father saw it. You know, I had on a program uh, Dr. Richard Allen Miller, mm-hmm. who is a double PhD. Have you have you ever interviewed him? I, yeah, I, I have not, but I have heard. I, I heard he, he's yeah. a fascinating fellow, and mm-hmm. he's done a, a lot of. He trained the Navy SEALs in super ESP and uh, using self hypnosis and things like that. He made the claim several times on my program. He said everything. He said not everything that dies. You know, uh, mammals, humans, and, and animals lose five grams of weight at the moment of death. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And uh, five grams actually is a lot of energy. If you think of it as in terms of matter, it's not mm-hmm. much. But in terms of energy, that's a tremendous amount of energy to be released. And so, but let me tell you, the, the upshot is that... Uh, after my mother passed away, and uh, over the last two and a half years, she's uh, she's still been hanging around the halls. People have seen my mother's mm-hmm. uh, spirit. One felt one. It is a funny story. I enjoy telling ghost stories, you know, because uh, they're really great. You yeah, know? we're gonna trade. We're gonna trade a couple because I, I yeah, have a, a, a couple of uh, incidents uh, also I want to share with you. But please go ahead. I didn't mention this to anybody in the building. And then one day, this young lady who lives in my building comes up to me and says, you live on the third floor, don't you? I said, yes. And she says, have you ever had any psychic experiences on the third floor? And I laughed. I said, all the time. I said, but why? She says, well, you know, I live on the fifth floor. My boyfriend came to visit me the other night. But he, he went downstairs and he decided not to take the elevator. And when he went down the stairs... He uh, turned on the uh, third floor landing, and he didn't see anybody there. But when he walked down the rail and turned to go down the stairs, he looked, and he saw a woman, an older lady, that he said looked like she was from the 1950s and 1960s. And she was standing in front of the elevator, and she walked straight into the wall. And I said, show me. You know, so I went over there, and it turned out that where this apparition walked into the wall. Uh-huh. It, was a diff- it was a different apartment. But if you went straight through that apartment and crossed the courtyard into my apartment, you got into a room where I had stored all her stuff, all her pos- personal possessions, all the things that she loved. I just put them <laughs> in one room, and I'm telling you, this room had an eight-foot ceiling, and the room was full to about six and a half feet. I remember having to reset a router that was in a corner. I was like mountain climbing over this stuff to reset it. So she, um, she's uh, made apparitions. The other thing is this, this funny thing. Everybody in the building started to complain that the elevator always stops on the third floor. So here's another thing that happened to me twice. I rang the elevator on the third floor. I walked in. The door began to close. And you know it has a... Uh, an infrared sensor uh-huh. to stop the door from crushing anybody. And so I'm, I stand in the door, and the door starts closing, and it's about 
halfway to two-thirds close and it stops and opens. And I just stood back and I felt, hey, somebody else is in here. And the door closed. And that happened to me twice. And once with another person, they freaked out. And so when people say, you know, it always starts on the third floor. And I said, ah, it must be my mother. I just <laughs> joke, you know. So, yeah, they look, uh, when, when the soul loves you, it stays with you. Mm. Just that, and here's the other thing about white. You meant mentioned your father saw the white mist. And many people experience pale white ghosts. Sometimes in daytime, they'll be rosy and natural looking. But in nighttime, they're generally uh, white and luminescent. And I'd like to point out that the ancient Egyptians said that the human soul had two aspects, the ka and the ba. Mm. And the ancient Taoist Chinese call it the gui and the bo. And the gui is a demonic aspect of the soul. And the Chinese character says the original demon, the primordial demon, is half of it. Right. And the bo in Chinese means the white spirit or the white part of the soul. So one part is mm. white, it's dark, but it's not uh, literally black. It's right. Negative in a sense, and that polarity—that right, 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 right. polarity is is what causes the dynamic. Uh, it's dynamic tension, you know, two poles. I mean, do you do you think where they, that's where they uh, might have kind of term the yin and the yang? Yes, it's part of it. The yin and yang is is uh, the universal soul, actually. Right. And while we talk about yin and yang. I want to emphasize this to people. Everybody looks at yin and yin and yang and, look, and Taoism, and they think that it's a dualistic religion or concept, philosophy, dualism, right. it's not. It's a trinity. Because mm. there is the yin, there's the yang, and there's the Tao. And then there's Wu Wei. The yin and the yang are obvious. The black and the white, and the white down inside the black fish. They call them fish, by the way. Right. Yeah. Ironically, Jesus the uh, you know has a Jesus fish. That's right. Almost, yeah. Well, I have my theory that Jesus traveled far and wide to India and China, and that he came back. Oh yeah, and was yeah, we share that out. belief. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, um, getting back to yin and yang and the Tai Chi Tu, the Tai Chi Tu is the Tai Chi symbol. The point is, it's a, a more than a trinity. The the Tao in the I Ching says the Tao is that which now lets the di dark and then lets the light appear. But it is not light, and it is not dark. So you can think of the Tao as a membrane that separates good and evil. And it's this fine line of demarcation, and it's neutral. And that line is what defines the yin and the yang and the circle. But the fact is, you're not seeing the obvious, uh, because you're only looking at the, at the circle. What is the circle on? You would not be able to perceive the yin and yang if it was not imprinted on a piece of paper, which is the ground, or on a screen with a, a background. Right. The background is that third element. You might even think of it as the Higgs field, you know, the thing that holds everything together, the force. Yep, so that's yeah, Wu, yeah, yeah. Wu Wei. Where is the force? Yeah. Chinese, <laughs> Chinese call it Wu Wei, and it also is Correct. a synonym for effortlessness or you know, doing by non-doing, but it, it allows light and darkness and, and the way and the Tao 
to manifest. Interesting. People, I highly recommend to people studying Taoism and uh, studying the I Ching. Mm. The I Ching was the fir- world's first computer. Correct, yeah. I wonder how much of this uh, George Lucas studied when he was writing Star Wars, because a lot of this correlates to, you know, the original uh, idea behind a lot of what he put together in uh, the original trilogy and the overall story arc. Yeah. Well, I think the brilliance of George Lucas and Star Wars was to repackage these amazingly um, deep and profound ideas mm-hmm. that have driven and supported mankind for thousands of years, and he repackaged them in a modern form that was palatable and acceptable, and that the modern audience is receptive to, like the idea of, of a force, the force. Right. So, you know, and Jedi Knights, and uh, the, the fight between good and evil, and uh, the dark side of the force. I think it was excellent. It was... Uh, a re-mythologization of religion in a non-religious package. Hmm. I heard that... Fun, you know, funny enough, had, though, the uh, Star Wars has become its own religion over the last yes, few decades. Uh, it really has. <laughs> yeah, and Star Trek, too. But I was oh, yeah, say, yeah. Institutions, heard, my friend. I've heard that George Lucas had a UFO experience out in the desert sometime in the 1970s, and that that experience was what inspired him to um, to make um, his his movies, you know he he did um, he did a uh, a low low budget film. I think was it called was it THX? The THX yeah, film. THX eleven thirty eight. I don't know for that one, but I'm thinking of an even more primitive one. I think it was mm. called the Attack of the Giant of uh, the Rotten Tomatoes or. No, no, he wasn't involved there. He he did do Attack of the Clones, but that was uh, one of the prequels. That's modern. Uh, yeah, that's uh, more modern. He, he got yeah. I think THX is what got him the funding for Star Wars. By the way, that's uh, that's. Well, he, he remember he did THX and then he did American Graffiti. Those were his, his big two movies, and then he was trying to get the uh, the right to do the Flash Gordon. Uh-huh. Or Lord of the Rings, yeah, and uh, they turned them down on both ends, and yeah. he had just had a huge hit with American Graffiti, so he yeah. said, "You know what? I love space. Let me turn this upside down. I'm going to combine Flash Gordon and Lord of the Rings, and he created Star Wars, which now mm-hmm. is bigger than both. I think. Yeah, it's beautiful. He did wonderful work. He did the world a service. I, I really, yeah. all of us were moved into a new mindset by that movie. You know? Yeah. Yeah, well, it changed uh, the way cinema is made. Uh, you know what? You know, I heard. I was, I was told that that movie was coming. So that was seventy-seven in nineteen sixty-five. Right. In nineteen sixty-five, I was watching a television interview with uh, uh, what's his name, Frank. Uh, the Frank Oz. Who wrote, uh, uh, Flying Saucer, Serious Business. Okay. Key, uh, not John Keel. Frank Edwards. Yeah, I think it was okay. Frank Edwards. So he's on this program, and he had very close ties or sources in the CIA. And he said to Alan Burke, and they were talking about disclosure, basically, mm-hmm. and how this was going to come about. And he said that the CIA, he labeled it, he said the CIA 
has uh, realized that American people have to be told about this, but they're not ready for it. And so they have devised a plan of seven stages of seven years. And during each of these seven uh, stages, the American public will be acclimated to the idea that aliens are not evil or they're not threatening. He said, for example, in the 1940s and 50s and even now into the 60s, most of the movies that we see about uh, aliens uh, in science fiction are evil aliens from outer space here to destroy right. the world. Well, he said, you're going to start to see a change in these themes in a couple of years. And he said, and there's a new technology, a new film technology, which is beyond your wildest imagination. You, in coming years, you are going to see films that are so beyond movies today as movies today are beyond television. Mm. And that uh, this technology was going to be used to educate the world public on a mass scale uh, to introduce the alien presence and eventually to uh, acclimatize us to their forms. And so they're going to be showing us a lot of different alien forms so that our brains would get used to it. Right. Uh, seven, seven times seven is 49, right? So 65. So that would have been about um, uh, 2005, 2015, in that period of time. It was supposed to be by, by 2015. But the counter-disclosure element in the deep state fought against the U.S. Navy's disclosure. You recall that in 2008 to 2010, I was involved with the attempt to the, have the United Nations hear the case exposed and uh, push disclosure through the United Nations. That was mm -hmm. a U.S. Navy plan that was hatched in 2008 when, for the first time in American history, three Navy men controlled the three top military offices in, in the country, and that would be uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, director of national intelligence, and uh, commander-in-chief of the Central Command. So that was when um, uh, General Fallon was in charge, uh, Admiral Fallon was in charge of the Central Command, and... Um, this is in General uh, Admiral McConnell was charge of, in charge of uh, the uh, Director of National Intelligence, and uh, what was his name? Admiral Mike M M Michael something was the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. You know his uh, name is uh, evading me at the moment. But anyway, we tried our best, and we really pushed, and we really did succeed in breaking the media. Censorship. We didn't get the uh, disclosure because certain elements in the UFO community uh, went out to sabotage us. Mm. You know, there are a lot of people in the UFO community who make their income and make their money from perpetuating the mystery and creating a lot of, of, of side yeah. stories, right? Yep. And the, the moment, the moment that the true story or the true revelation of UFOs is revealed, all of those theories, all of those hypotheses, and all of those uh, um, concepts uh, will fall by the wayside. Mm. So those college industries that run on having a particular view of aliens, whether it's the 
they're the benevolent space brothers that are going to save the world and save us all, or the malevolent ones, you know, and there are both. I don't think we'd be here if a benevolent race of extraterrestrials were not protecting us and in, in concert, in league with uh, the United States government. I think it might run a little bit deeper than that. I think uh, we're quarantined here. I, I think we're a worldwide Australia in some sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Australians have a very uh, peculiar history where uh, those were, uh, of course, uh, many, 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 many hundreds of years ago. Uh, they were stranded there by the Queen of England as criminals and whatnot. And they created what is today Australia, yeah. uh, beautiful as it is, but it started off very rough. I yeah. think Earth is kind of similar to that, and that's one reason why we've been uh, given this embargo, as uh, a lot of new, a lot of folks in ufology call it, mm-hmm. uh, with the truth of what's happening with the extraterrestrial phenomenon. I think we, you know, we caused a lot of mischief. Um, I think we're going to find out that we're all over the cosmos. The human race is not just here from planet Earth. In fact, I think some of our uh, differences with uh, so-called different races of humans uh, and whatnot, we're eventually going to discover that there's a little difference in all of us because we're kind of we're all brothers from the stars, and we've uh, we've been thrown here together to kind of live this existence by uh, whomever, whatever. And uh, the folks that are looking over us, the watchers, as some would call them, yeah. well, they're keeping an eye on us because we're kind of quarantined. We've been behaving bad, Robert. And just look at the way we treat each other on this planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at the way the media has gone bananas over the last uh, three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because a guy won the White House. That's really all it is. Because a white guy wins the White House. Uh, media hates him now, even though they right. loved him years before right. when he was on TV. Makes right. no sense, you know, at all. Right. Uh, but right. It's, it, it, everything's upside down, tipsy-turvy. We're doing this to ourselves. So could you imagine if we were in space mm-hmm. and, we're, and we were doing, God knows what you know we would do out there with the endless amount of races we would encounter? Yeah. And it's no, it makes you think as, you know, well, this is a perfect example why we're stuck on this planet at this moment. Uh, hey, um, Angel, let me share yeah. something really interesting with you. I have, you know, it's two and a half years is a lot of time, and I'm, I never stop uh, researching, investigating, getting documents. And one of my favorite uh, sources for documents are Dr. Robert Wood. And Ryan Wood and the yep. Majestic Documents. Yep. And I uh, acquired through them a document called Estimate of the Situation, written in 1947. And I uh, downloaded it and printed it out and read this whole thing. It is mind-boggling what hmm. it says. There is an interview in there with the surviving alien who was recovered and became a guest of the United States. He was a prisoner, right? Right. But he was actually here under diplomatic protection. That's how the United States decided to deal with uh, the EBE that survived. Well, and it would lived, make sense, right? That would lived, make sense. He lived for two years. Right. So they gave him a diplomatic status. They got information from him how to communicate with their people to tell them that he was here and to establish... Uh, communication, 
But they debrief this uh, alien entity for two years. And the debriefing is there. And you, I'm telling you, this blew my mind when I read it. And it may blow your mind now when I tell it to you. The alien said that the reason that they came here in 1947 was that back in the 1920s, some Earth scientists started to disrupt their gravity. That this Earth scientist who put, put out this powerful beam of electricity, this powerful radio beam out from our planet, beaming out through the solar system, and that when this beam got to their planet, it started to destabilize their gravity. Oh, wow. They picked up the signal, and they signaled back, please turn off the beam. Please stop <laughs> transmitting this. You're messing up our gravity. Turn off the radio. You're killing us. <laughs> but the transmitter, the transmitter uh, couldn't understand the message. So they had to send a physical expedition here to find the scientists and shut down that uh, that transmission. And he says that this scientist discovered a formula that he should not have discovered for at least a hundred years and that his name was Nikola Tesla. Ah, there you go. That's remember now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly where I was. I thought you were going yeah. because uh, I have many theories on Tesla. But continue, right, well, here's what something that supports it. In the uh -huh. 1920s, Tesla was putting out a radio beacon that he said he was communicating with the planet Mars yep. and that he had received the signal. So he had been trying to communicate with Mars, but the signal went way farther than Mars, unless they live on Mars. That's the other possibility. Right. So, um, but it doesn't take 20 years to get here from Mars, you know? So right. that's a fascinating... Well, it might take them some time to, like, decode what's going on. Maybe they yeah. don't speak the same language. But, but the interesting part is uh, some of the comments about that the U.S. government made about outlaw scientists like Tesla have to be kept mm. under control, you know, because uh, yep. yeah, they were, there was a threat and actually he was doing these things that were affecting other planetary civilizations and drew their attention on us, and I just got a kick out of the, out of the term, outlaw scientist meaning he was <laughs> not part of the establishment, he was a nonconformist, he was an independent and uh, talking that about That was Tesla, uh, yeah that was Tesla Lucas. Lucas and Flash Gordon I wanted mm. to do Flash Gordon. I wanted to play Flash Gordon back in the oh, wow. uh, 1970s and 80s. Because, you know, I modeled my life on on Flash Gordon's uh, career. That's why I became a pilot. I studied, uh, you know, aeronautics, astronautics, astronomy, lunar navigation, all of those things. You know, and I still, in the back of my mind, I may see the moon someday, you know, <laughs> from a close vantage point. Because I've trained myself as a lunar navigator. I teach people how to navigate the moon. Uh, well, you know, I, I have to wonder, once we pass on, if, you know, our first journey is across the stars. You know, we get to, you know, fly as a, in spirit form towards the, uh, the light destination. We get to see mm -hmm. the worlds around us. And uh, you might get your chance to see the moon up close one day. Well, you know, ever since Aristotle, Aristotle believed that when people died... Their souls went to the moon and were repackaged there for reincarnation. That when you went to the moon, your soul was uh, 
prepared for the next bundling, but before they put you into the next uh, incarnation, you had to drink the waters of Lethe, which mm. made you forget your previous lifetime. So this idea of the moon as um, a beacon. And oh, by the way, in, after the show, I'm going to be on the Richard Hoagland program where he's repeating the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. Yes. And this this program uh, was fantastic, and I reviewed. Brilliant episode. I, de yeah. I decrypted some of the logos of NASA, mm -hmm. the hidden name of the moon god that they embedded in the background of the Apollo 11. Um, logo and Richard and others present the most amazing uh, compilation of lunar anomaly uh, photos um, that, that I've ever seen uh, we've been working together for oh my goodness you know 35 years and uh, he compiled all his best work so uh, after the show you know go to the other side of midnight and, and catch up on it so um, let's go on oh yeah flash Gordon, flash Gordon, flash Gordon yes Flash Gordon, how's that going, by the way? Just to, uh, before you continue with Flash Gordon, how's, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, the podcasting going for yourself? I mean, how are you, how are you enjoying, uh, your venture? Uh, I'm enjoying it very much. I think I'm, my, my, uh, co-hosts, Scott Teeters and I, I think are doing really good work. We bring, uh, news to the nation. Every Sunday on Revolution Radio at three o'clock, yep. three to five o'clock, I do a broadcast called the Morning Star Report. And in the first half hour, we do a summation to the nation. That's the mm -hmm. name, the term I use for giving you the true news of the week. So we do half an hour of this uh, summation of news to the nation. And then we have incredible guests for the next hour and a half. And um, so I, I hope that people will come. And we're also very politically involved. You know, I, I expose uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly of both sides, you know. When Trump mm -hmm. does something yep. out of hand, uh, you know, I'll criticize him. When uh, when the squat starts, uh, <laughs> the, and not the squad, when the squat starts uh, babbling gibberish and psychobabble, you know, I straighten it out. I'm having fun with Twitter. When all these people are coming out attacking either President Trump or Ivanka. For the, did you see the one of Ivanka? She Who could attack Ivanka of all people? Well, it's some, some Hollywood actress. Oh uh, my goodness. I'll just call her Nancy, okay? She puts out <laughs> this tweet because Ivanka put out a picture of a Siberian husky puppy that she got for her daughter. It's a pure white Siberian husky with blue eyes. So, Must be racist. Right, so yes, so she calls her a racist, she says, you know, what? nothing could be more Nazi than that. So, I wrote to this, <clears throat> to this actress, I wrote, Dear Nancy, this lovely creature, not Ivanka, the dog, is a Siberian husky that's noted for its blue eyes and its benign and loving disposition. I think you should get one. Not the dog, but a benign and loving disposition. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way you deal with it. You, there are so many ways to retort, right? Yeah. Without saying, if you eat this, you know what I mean? And yep, it's an yep. art. And it's an art that I learned from Mark Twain. So I sometimes write as Mark Twain, too. So 
One of my favorite sayings from Mark Twain, which is often quoted by my co-host, uh, Scott Teeters, he says, politicians are like diapers. They have to be changed <laughs> regularly and often and for the same reason. Yes. So that's the kind of uh, back and Very forth. true. <laughs> oh, yeah, Alicia, Alicia Milano, right? Alicia oh, Milano. that's the actress, yeah, Alicia yeah. Milano. Who's the boss? Sex. Don't have any, yeah. don't have any sex until we no. control so I wrote this. Here. This is from a woman who participated in softcore porn, by the way. Yeah. If you guys uh, aren't aware of that. Yeah. Well, I wrote back to her, dear Lisa. I promise never not to have sex with you until it pass control. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's rich. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, we have to, uh, you know, we have to battle. But yeah. Is it uh, Obama, Michelle Obama? When they go low, we go high. Well, they don't know what high is, you know? They're just No, uh, the so thing I is, I, I think she meant to say, when they go low, we get high. I think that's what she really yeah, meant. Yeah, that, <laughs> well, that might be my philosophy, too. When they, go, <laughs> they go low, I get high. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's funny high. because uh, they say that, and uh, I remember uh, vividly when, uh, you know, before Trump was elected, they, they asked him, uh, if you lose, will you concede the election? And he, you know, joked around kind of in, in a in a Trump way, said, "Well, we'll see when we get there." That's and right. they're they're like, "Oh, he'll never concede! Oh my God, this is going to be, it, it, you know, right there. You see it. He's a, he's a communist. He's going to take over. He's, dictator, he's dictator, this. He's that. Never dictator, right? Hitler, a tyrant, a Hitler." A fascist, right. a Nazi, a white supremacist. Let me go on, you know. And, and so, who is the one that's not been able to concede his 2016's election? The Democrats. They can't let this go. They're, you know, I, I, I talked about this on the show as soon as it came down and I started doing the show again. Uh, one of the reasons I wanted to do the show is because I, I was getting bottled up with all this anger and i know that that takes you to the path of the dark side but it was just that it was bottling up robert and every time i see nancy pelosi nasty Mm -hmm. nancy as i call it or i see the fraud squad and i'll call them out by name i'm not afraid of any of these uh women or or even chuck schumer you Mm -hmm. know all these these folks on the left every time i see them just blindly attack a person now, now they were attacking him before he even won the presidency. Yeah. I remember seeing Nancy saying on TV, "Oh, he'll never be president." Yeah. This is before the, the debates even happened when he just announced, "I'm running for president." She was on TV saying, "It'll never happen." Yeah. You had Obama, you had left the entire thing started before he even won the presidency. But every time I see them, like just attack this person, and the economy is doing good. I mean, what are you attacking? The uh, yeah, good economy, a guy who's trying to protect our country? Exactly. Really, what are you attacking exactly? Yeah. Well, listen to this. You know what I, my rebuttal to those people who are calling him racist for telling Ilan Omar and Talib and uh, Cortez to go back where you came from. You know, that's racist. He's telling them to go back where you came from. <laughs> he said, look, all he was telling Omar and Talib was go back to Michigan and Minnesota. Fix that at least. If you don't want to go to your country, right? Fix that. You know what's crazy though. This we, is the we maintain a, a positive attitude and a good sense of humor. We don't have to be dragged down in, into the sewers, which is right. where they're trying to lure us in uh, in uh, inflaming um, contention and division. Yep. United and, 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 and 
Trump has a great sense of humor, by the way. Here's another joke. People don't get it a lot of times. Our motto motto is, E pluribus unum. Right? Right? That's out out of many. One, what the Democrats have done is, E unus pluribus. Out of one many, many factions, because that's the only way they can win by factionalizing and fractionalizing the electorate by yeah. doing their uh, combinations. If we get uh, 80% of the black and Hispanic vote, that'll offset this and that. And it's all contrived. And this, uh, when you introduced me, you said that I had studied uh, lunar anomalies and exposed. Mm-hmm. NASA and disinformation technology. That's the term that mm-hmm. I gave to the techniques that NASA, the CIA, the FBI government in general has used to deceive and befuddle the populace ever since the John F. Kennedy assassination. You know yes. how I dismantled that. The destruction, I destroyed the Zapruder film. Then I exposed yes. the autopsy. Yes. Exposed the use of the two bodies. But mm-hmm. why did it take 33 years for me to see it? You know, because they used disinformation technology to trick the people using neurolinguistic programming. They coined the term conspiracy theory in 1965 yes. to use it as a cudgel to beat back people. That was the fifth and final. Uh, they they said that this is how you debunk the critics of the Warren Commission. Um, Call it bad scholarship or bad research. But if it's not, then say that the person has a pecuniary or a profit motive. And if it's not that, say that he's uh, holding on to some pet political agenda. And if it's not that, accuse them of conspiracy theories. And what it became was um, a playlist for how every interviewer would interview any person who objected to the Warren Commission conclusion. They would bring them on, accuse them of wanting to be famous, accuse them of wanting to make money, accuse them of having bad research, and then conspiracy theorists, etc., etc. So don't fall for it, folks. You know? You are smarter than they think you are. By the way, does it sound familiar with uh, our friend Nancy uh, yelling out, He's part of a conspiracy. That's like the new thing now. Yeah. Well, yeah. racist. You know, anyway. Yeah. You know, when people yell at me, oh, oh, you're a racist. I said, yeah, I'm a racist. I'm a human racist. <laughs> I hate all bad people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I no, really no. Hate, you know, I really don't like that word. And I bend over backwards. I said that facetiously. Yep. But I bend over backwards not to use the word hate. If it's something that really is, is really bad, I will prefer... Uh, a word like despise or detest. <laughs> but if you really know what hatred is, hatred is an evil spirit that will possess your soul and eat your soul. I was on the radio this afternoon talking about alcohol, alcoholism, and the origin of the word. And so I'm going to tell you this a fact to make a corollary to what I'm, I'm telling you about anger. Okay, The word alcohol comes from Arabic. Mm-hmm. And it comes from a word in Arabic that is al-gul, A-L-G-H-G-O-U-L. 
But that word, you're hearing it, right? Agul. Right. It sounds Agul. familiar. What? What is right. it? Agul. Right. Agul. Right. Agul. Ghoulish. Ah, right. Why yes. do the Arabs call it that? They believe that alcohol is an evil spirit, and that when you drink it, and then we call it spirits, right? And when yeah, you drink, yeah, 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 yeah. You drink yeah, right. the spirit, it takes over your nervous system, and it starts. Yeah, it does. That's you. And the more yeah. you drink it. More this algul, the more this ghoul takes over your body and your soul and makes you a slave of it. Mm. So, alcohol is a ghoul. It's an evil spirit that if you don't control it, it will take over your life, take over your nervous system, take over your intestinal and digestive system, take mm -hmm. over your brain, and yep. uh, enslave you. So, hatred. Is similar, but you don't have to drink anything to right. feel. It. You just have to allow it to fester. You have it's a bad idea. Allow a bad idea to enter your mind and your heart mm. and soul to fester there and generate more and more negative energy. It is. It's like an acid. It will eat your soul. And uh, having been had, all of us have had periods of deep anger. Oh, definitely. And you know whose mind out You know whose mind. People. That's why I say about anger. The anger takes you over, and you wind up hurting innocent people who are not the cause. Correct. So yeah. beware of it. Put you it know what? I would have loved to have seen a, a touch on this topic, and unfortunately, he's no longer with us. Uh, but he often spoke about uh, you know evil, and uh, not only in you know in this country but in the world and, and and you could see it in the politics you could see it in some folks Art Bell Art Bell used to speak about this all the time and he, you know bless his soul he's gone he's no longer with us but I would you know I would love to see what he would had you know been saying right now with the way right. the, the climax is right. since he's been gone and just to, to see what he would say about Mm -hmm. What's been happening with since Trump has been president? Remember, when Trump was running and Art was still with us, he was very pro-Trump. Yeah. Well, so you see, people who know what America means know right. what Trump stands for, mm -hmm. and the people who have been trying to change what America means, who hate America, really. If you're trying to change it, right, and you think that by factionalizing it by creating uh, racial hostility uh, between people and animus, you don't love America. You know? And uh, the, the, you know, disrespect to the flag, uh, the bringing down of statues. Listen, I was raised as a northerner, but I understand the plight of the southerners, and I understand right. why they call the Civil War the, the war of northern aggression. Because right. if you really look into it, it had nothing to do with slavery. It had to do with taxes. Lincoln wanted to impose taxes on the South that they didn't feel were justifiable. And so they rebelled against the taxes. So then Lincoln, in the middle of the Civil War, it took, it was like the, uh, 1863, he came to New York and declared the Emancipation Proclamation, which everyone thinks is so benevolent. But the ulterior motive behind it was to declare... 
the uh, the slaves free so that they would rebel against uh, the South and, right. and uh, fight the Join the army. Yeah. A yeah. lot of them did. Yeah. A lot of them did. And it's great. I would not Correct. like to have lived under the Confederacy. But the point is, the Confederacy and the Civil War, the War of Northern Aggression, is our real history. And it should be preserved. And there was honor in people like Robert E. Lee. Yep. I, I just said an amazing thing. Oh, my God. Robert Morningstar is a... You're racist. He said that Robert <laughs> E. Lee was a noble man and a great leader. I'm going to tell you why Robert E. Lee was such a great man. After the Civil War, the laws were passed, equality laws, right, that you could no longer exclude blacks uh, from your society. Correct. And in this church in Virginia, after the war ended, uh, a solitary black man courageously walked into a white church, and when the time came to receive communion, he walked up to the altar and he knelt down and waited and the uh, priests were not coming to him there, there was a tension in the whole church you know this black man is kneeling down waiting to receive communion and nobody stood up and the priests were frozen they weren't going to give him communion then one man stood up walked down the aisle knelt down beside, uh, beside the man crossed his hands and waited to receive communion. And that man was Robert E. Lee. Hmm. And the priests came over and they administered communion to Lee and this unnamed, solitary, courageous black uh, American citizen. So Robert E. Lee was a great man. He should be remembered. Mm -hmm. And so should all the others. Because, look, the Civil War and all those monuments... Stand as a, testament, as a testament and a yep. warning to us all to Correct. what happened to this country. And if they stand as a testament and a warning that we should never let it happen again. But by tearing, them, tearing it down, you're creating a new situation. Mm -hmm. You're taking away the reminder of the evils that transpired across this country. And, and Robert, isn't it shocking to you that as soon as these statues started coming down here of Robert E. Lee, shortly after, we're having what looks like a possible civil war within our own land? I mean, this the, is what the, I think the Democrats are, are leading to. This is what they want. That's right. Talking about this Antifa as their... Listen, I just got a report. I don't know if anybody's heard it yet. But I just got a report from an eyewitness in El Paso who says that uh -huh. she saw four shooters dressed in black. Yes, doing, I saw that. Shooting. Yeah. Okay? Yep. So Antifa is one of these instruments that the Democrats are using to foment this rebellion mm -hmm. and this violence. And the whole thing, uh, it's the worst as I've seen is in uh, Portland. And, you know, Kim Strassel of the Wall Street Journal, she's from Portland, and she said... You know, I, I can't believe that this is my own home, my old hometown. I can't mm -hmm. believe it. And I wrote to her on Twitter, you know, as we look at the situation, we can only come to two conclusions. Either the police support Antifa's agenda or the police is afraid of Antifa. And I can't imagine which one's mm. worse. Think about it, folks. Mm. They are, they are. Scary. Yeah, they let. 
uh, Anthony go no get uh, pulverized mm-hmm. and beaten to a pulp, and they do nothing. And it's the mayor. The mayor is a big hypocrite. You know, he's saying, "Oh, you know, uh, I have no say over the police department. That's totally in charge of the police commissioner." But he's the police commissioner at the same time. He's holding both both reins. Correct. So again, this is part of that method that I said disinformation technology. The the policy of the Democrats is to accuse the opponent of the very crimes that you're guilty of. Correct. The Russia yep. hope, right? Yep. Accuse Trump of collusion with Russia. What are we uh-huh. finding out now? The collusion with Russia was on the part of the Democratic Party with uh, Christopher Steele and mm-hmm. the uh, Steele memo. Clinton, uh, the, the Steele dossier from uh, Clinton, mm-hmm. uh, which is paid for by the Clinton Foundation. And it's leading all the way to the Obama White House. This all started in 2015, 2016, early before the election took place, Robert. There was already an investigation into Trump. Uh, It all started when Obama was still in the White House. It's looking more and more like he gave not only the okay, but some funding to go behind the investigation while he was still a sitting president, which is treason. Absolutely. He should be in prison. They were expecting a, a complete communist turnover. Communist is New World Order, folks. When you talk about one world government and one centralized control of all economy, that yep. is the definition of communism. Don't uh-huh. be fooled by the the uh, modern labels. It's the same old snake shedding its skin. Mm-hmm. But all of them are in um, in panic right now because of Epstein. Oh I, yeah, <laughs> talk about cleaning the swamp and draining the swamp. Yeah. He he is a major uh, player in that swamp. And uh, f- folks, as some names come out, which are you know some of the most powerful and elite people on the planet, it's no d- wonder why they they hate Trump so much because he knows he was one of the people that testified and helped get uh, Jeffrey Epstein arrested and put mm-hmm. in prison. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that, that when they were investigating Epstein, they went to Trump, and a lot of folks they went to, and the only one that was worried enough about what was happening and spoke up was Donald Trump. Oh, and, he, yeah. and he gave them all the information they needed. He was very open. He said, look, this is why I stopped doing business with this person. I was really just taking back what, the, what little he saw. Yeah. I mean, no, he never yeah. said that he saw any children being involved in anything sexual, but he did hear rumors. He did see stories uh, coming from people that he trusted. Uh, he he saw some things himself from dealing in a business, personal manner for mm-hmm. a short period of time. And he said, "You know what? Uh, screw the business." I thought he was a good guy for you know for business, but this guy's a creep. Yeah, and, well, and, and he said it. All of this was known in 2016, yeah. and it's one of the reasons that the military, the Pentagon, Admiral Rogers, went to Donald Trump and said, Mr. Trump, you have to run president of the United States, because if you don't, we are going to have to, to take military action. They have betrayed the country. They have sold 20% of our uranium to Russia. 
they are ready to turn us over to the United Nations and the yep. Paris Global uh, Climate Accords. Yep. And the pedophilia ring, they were running a global pedophilia ring. So let me just tell Correct. the audience what the role of Epstein was in establishing the Clinton Foundation and how it worked. Okay? Jeffrey Epstein funded the Clinton Foundation with $4.5 million that he gave to Bill Clinton. And the plan was to get in more donors, to lure them into the Clinton Foundation by hook or by crook, and by both, okay? The hook was, you're going to have great influence through President Clinton, and his wife is going to become president, and you're going to have great influence. So, come on, uh, let's give you a tour and some of the perks of uh, becoming part of the Clinton Foundation. So they would get prospective owners down to Florida, get them on the Lolita Express, fly mm -hmm. them over to the Pleasure Island, and then, uh, you know, juice them Indoctrinate up. them. Yeah, yeah, juice them up and then uh, yeah. feed them feed them the children for their sexual mm -hmm. pleasures, while at the same time videotaping and surveilling them, right? So they get them, they're caught on camera, Engaged in sex with minors and for blackmail. Leave. First, they make the first donation voluntarily, but then they leave and they find out well, you know, it's time for your yearly or biannual donation. And if you don't, you know, we do have the videotapes. So mm -hmm. that's, that's how they hooked hundreds of people into it, including yeah. Prince Andrew. And even though the British courts threw out a case against him. Uh, he was charged with uh, rape by an English girl who was one of the victims there at uh, the Pleasure Island. And the British court threw out the case and demanded that they expunged all the testimony and all the records. But the very next day here in America, it came out that Prince Andrew and Bill Clinton and uh, Lawrence Wexner, another big money bags, were all involved in this. And they were involved in human trafficking, which is mm -hmm. a very nice word for slavery. Folks, stop saying human trafficking. It's yep. slavery. And they were buying and selling children. And remember what I said to you, that the Democrat uh, disinformation technology is to accuse the opponent of the crime that you're guilty of. So what Correct. are you accusing the president of? Abusing children in uh, detention centers. Oh, right. Children yeah. from their families. Right. But, um, you know, one of his wise advisors said, uh, oh, Mr. Hogan, Hogan the, uh, the head of the uh, immigration ICE service, he said, listen, if I'm in a car driving with my child and I get stopped for drunken driving... I will be arrested and my child will be separated from me. Correct. You understand that? It's a standard yep. policy. And they have been exaggerating everything, and uh -huh. including uh, Comrade Cortez saying that they would be forced <laughs> to drink out of toilets. That oh. is so ridiculous. I mean, did you see the, the, the video? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I look, I, I've, uh, I've been detained. I've actually seen that setup. Personally, I'm not even kidding. Where you have the toilet on the bottom, you have the drinking fountain, 
it's water, folks. You're not drinking out of the toilet. Literally, yeah. you, there's a water fountain. If you know, if you're, if you have an IQ of a dumbass, you can yeah. figure out what to drink out of. You don't yeah. have to be a rocket science or a genius to figure that one out. Mm-hmm. So for Cortez to come out and say they were making them drink out of the toilet, mm-hmm. I mean, ridiculous and a lie, a complete lie. So they compile the lies, and you know yeah. what? It was Hitler. Hitler, not her, they say it was Hitler, but it wasn't Hitler. It was Goebbels, the minister of uh, propaganda, uh-huh. uh, that said, "If you tell a lie long enough and hard enough, people will believe it. If you tell a little yep. lie, people will not believe it. But if you right. tell a big lie and tell it long enough, people will come to accept it. And that is the policy of the Democrats." Right. Uh, let me ask you, what did you watch the debates? I, I watched as much as I could stomach, to be honest okay, with you. Well, it was, well, it was, was hard. Highlight? It was hard, Robert. It was hard. What was a highlight for you? What do you, do you think was... Uh, well, for me, the, the, the Kamala Harris uh, getting bamboozled was uh, hysterical. Um, th- I think the, the overall uh, part where they're all trying to speak Spanish uh, was, was, was hilarious. Cory Booger, and I call him Booger, I don't call him Booger, I call him Cory Booger. Uh, his face, when Beto was talking and when the other people were talking, is priceless. Like that, like that face belongs in a MasterCard commercial. That's how priceless it was. And then when he actually opens his mouth, oh my goodness, like, dude, you should have just spoke English at that That's point. That's right. You know, they had the worst, the worst. Horrible. Beto. Him and Beto and even uh, de Blasio. De Blasio has good grammar and good syntax in his, uh, his right. statements, but his accent is terrible, as is mm-hmm. Beto O'Rourke and as is uh, Cory Booker. Booker. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I'm sorry. Uh, to, to me, yeah. to me, the guy. Look, in, in fact, uh, he did he's something insane, this past. He's got crazy he, eyes. He, he, not only that, does he not only have crazy eyes? The, the man is literally insane. He did something this week, which is a, a federal offense. He should be in prison. I don't know why he's still out trying to run for president. For president, he literally went to the borders and he crossed people over illegally, and he crossed them over our border. And was there, you know, and told the officers, you have to let these people in. I'm so-and-so. And not only did he break the law, it's a federal offense. This man should be in prison right now. What the hell is he doing running for president? You're talking about Trump, who who did nothing with Russians. This guy was on national TV, Cory Booger, breaking the law, and nobody says anything. It's amazing. I didn't, hear, I didn't hear about that, uh, but it is. Uh, it's of course, media stuck covering it. You, you, I'll send you as soon as we're off the air. I'm gonna send you the video. You can see yeah. it. It's on video. He crosses a, a bunch of uh, illegal illegal immigrants across the border, and he is telling literally the officers at the border, "No, no, no, they're with me. They're gonna cross," and and they recognize who he is. He's part of Congress. So imagine what, what are they to do? You know, it's it, it's amazing, and I think in, in all that uh, craziness, uh, something has to be done, and he should face repercussions. 
And I think we're facing some Skype repercussions. So I think we've lost uh, Robert here for a second. Let's see if we can get him back on the line. Now, you would think that Skype would cooperate in the last few minutes, but uh, that's the Skype sound. So, uh, there we are. Sorry about that. We, we seem to have a Skype issue there okay. uh, for a so split wait, second, but yeah. we're, we're, we're back live. Yeah. And so, as I was uh, saying, cause I, know you, I don't know if you heard me, but I said that what Robert, I mean, what, what uh, Corey Booger uh, did was he literally went in and told officers on the border to allow these people to cross with them. And he didn't ask politely. You know, he was telling them they're crossing with me. Um, so and so. And one of the guards actually shook his hand. and was like, oh, okay. And that right there is, is a complete failure of, you know, protecting our border by that officer. That officer, along with Corey Booger, as far as I'm concerned, should both be in prison right now. They yeah, both broke the law. Maybe he was being smart. Maybe he was just being smart and realizing that this guy was creating, doing a criminal act, was letting him go by. But you know what the saying is, give, give him enough rope to... Uh, so they hang themselves. And so perhaps that is in the works. You know, you brought it out. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to publish it and see if I can find an article about it. And that's how things get started. Things, yeah. uh, you know, things just don't flame up. Sometimes things have to percolate for a little while before they become a, an issue. Now, here's the issue I have. It's the word of this use, use of this word manifesto. Mm-hmm. You know, which is always, it's always a negative, a negative uh, association. And every right. time you hear a manifesto, of course, you're going to, tri- it's a trigger word that will associate it with Karl Marx and the Communist Manifesto. But manifestos can be good and manifestos can be bad. And I just saw a program. I want to recommend to everyone listening that you go to YouTube or to BitChute. And find a lady named Amazing Polly. P O L L Y. Like Polly Mycracker. Amazing Polly. (laughs) She is one of the most intelligent people and insightful people that I have ever seen uh, come forth on the internet. And she did an expose of what was done to the Unabomber at Harvard University to turn him into the Unabomber. And it's an episode that's called How the CIA Broke America, meaning how the CIA broke America's mind using mind control. And the example she uses is Ted Kaczynski, a highly intelligent, extremely ambitious uh, all-American boy, I can Mm -hmm. tell you that, who went to Harvard on a scholarship. He got his PhD eventually, but... He was lured into a program by a CIA psychiatrist named Henry Waters. And he was put into a program, which was an experimental program of the CIA, to see how students as subjects would adjust to incessant insults, uh, shaming, uh, torture, basically. And they asked each candidate to write an essay about his truest belief system. And then they used that essay as ammunition to tear apart every aspect of that person's belief system and insult them, humiliate them, shame them, ridicule them. And the Unabomber went through 200 hours of this kind of programming. But 
What Amazing Polly does is she found the Unabomber's manifesto and she starts to read it. And folks, when you hear what Ted Kaczynski was trying to warn us against, you will say he was a prophet. And what he warns about is the leftist intention to destroy America and to use high technology to do it. And this manifesto was written way, way back. Mm-hmm. In, I think it's late, late seventies or early eighties. And, uh, actually it's, uh, what actually led to the capture of the Unabomber. When his brother read the manifesto, he recognized the writing. Right. Things, you know? Yep. But they never told you what the writings and the sayings were. Now you have to read it. At least get the excerpt that, uh, Amazing Polly gives us in how the CIA broke America. I put her links on my Facebook page. And folks, my Facebook page is what the New York Times ought to be. My Facebook page is not full of selfies and, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, pictures of, uh, you know, Pokemon and shit like that. It is a news stream. And I'm announcing that later this year, I plan to open a website to reestablish the original MorningstarNews.nyc. Uh, Very cool. And I started to get engaged in a multi a multimedia website that will be very deeply engaged in all aspects of American life, especially the upcoming campaign um, for the 2020 election. I also plan to bring on and give radio time to good candidates of either party uh, to speak on my radio show. And uh, I also directed... See, I play, uh, I play the presidential race like a horse race, mm-hmm. and I hedge my bets. So, as I see it, the Democrats are hell-bent on having, they have to have a woman on the ticket. And when I look at that stage, I dread seeing Granny Warren there. Uh, I test the idea of <laughs> Kalima. You know who Kalima is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mother Kali, Kalima. Uh-huh. Kamala. I call her the Ugandan giant because I'm an old wrestling fan. If you know that. And Gillibrand, oh my God, she's been my my senator now, I guess, for 10 years. She's a Clinton clone, you know? Yep, yep. So the only woman that uh, I would support in in the Democratic uh, primary or the Democratic uh, race is Tulsi Gubbard. And I sent her a, a thank you note, a love note. I wrote on Facebook, Tonight, Tulsi Gabbard derailed Kamala Harris's presidential ambitions. Completely. Thank, with love, Morningstar. And I put her, her website for donations and support. And so I support the best of both sides in the whole. Now, you know, you know that she was actually involved in the, in the war. I mean, she is a veteran. Yes. She's oh. not just some slouch uh, just uh, no. came on the scene. No, no. This, uh, and I have a lot of respect for her background. I really, the really do. The biggest shock. The biggest shock to me was to see her walk on stage, and I said, yeah. "Oh my God, she's a giant. She's as tall as Andrew Yang." Yes. She wasn't wearing <laughs> high heels, and I looked at her legs. And I was like, she is a soldier. Yep. Friends, you know, I see her physique. She's like a special forces person. You know, yeah, I, I, I'm going to love to see that debate between her and Trump. I, I really am. 
It would be great. It would know? be great. And, um, it will be great. Because I don't think that Kamala... Kamala is... Who could ever... She's a criminal. I'll say it right no, now. She's toast. Yeah, the she's ex, toast. The expose that uh, Tulsi Gabbard did on her. She sent to jail 1,500 people, long prison sentences for marijuana, and laughed it off when she was asked. And then said, yeah, we used to get high. It was in the 70s, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, she laughed that off. But the killer for me was when Tulsi Gabbard told her, you withheld exculpatory information from a man who was on death row. And you would not surrender that until the courts forced you to do it. Folks, Correct. Yep. that's attempted murder. Yeah. I don't know if, if you realize it, but she mm-hmm. was trying to kill that guy. Yeah. And he was innocent. Yeah. And I call that attempted murder. Not to mention insisting on cash bail system, which kept, you know, uh, blacks and Mexicans and uh, lower income people in jails because they couldn't come up with the cash bail. And mm-hmm. the final one, here we've been talking about slavery earlier today, right? And what was the last charge that Tulsi Gate laid on uh, Kalima? You extended the sentences of men who had completed their sentences in California prisons in mm-hmm. order to provide California with free labor. She left out the word slave, which is yep. appropriate. Okay? So, folks, don't fool yourself. Mm-hmm. Communist socialists always follow the same agenda. Disarm the people, declare gun control, confiscate the guns, impose mandatory um, national health care so that you have control of their lives from the cradle to the grave and then enslave the populace. For example, Andrew Yang, $1,000 a month, Sounds good to mm-hmm. you, right? Except yeah. for one thing. They'll give you $1,000 a month, but if you make more than $1,000 a month, your tax is going to be 90%. Yeah. So working will be futile. So be aware of these promises, right? They are lures. They are traps. They are making you dependent. America was built on independence and self-reliance. We should not celebrate July 4th. We celebrate Independence Day. Correct. And by changing the label, they change the whole, uh, let's call it the aura, the environment. It becomes a sale day. The July 4th sale. No, not Mm -hmm. reverence and thanks to divine providence for our independence. No, it's July 4th. Uh, Black Friday sale. Same with all the other holidays that were once holy days. And by that I mean the 4th of July, Armistice Day, November 11th, Memorial Day. Memorial Day is not a holiday. It's a holy day. Correct. So this is another ploy that the leftists and the communists and the cameo see I have had to coin a new word in 1999 for the threat that I saw unfolding upon the world and coming to America and it's called communism Mm. and that is what Ilhan Omar and uh, Talib they are communo-Islamic agents communism when I said those words first my friends would say Robert you know that's really 
you know, inflammatory. It's like religious intolerance. I said, no, it's the fact. And then I was criticized, you know, for, you know, being, uh, well, let's call it a religious fanatic and labeling things this way. Right, right, right. Then you know, it's funny because I've labeled them social Islam. So, Islamic so we're, we're on the same page. Yeah, yeah. socialism, yeah. communism, uh, they're the thing. same thing. Yeah. In 2002, I got vindication and validation from no less than Osama bin Laden. Mm. He issued a fatwa from Afghanistan where he was hiding in the caves, you know? And yep. he, he issued a fatwa which was published in BBC News. And I memorized it. And these are the words of Osama bin Laden. I urge all members of the Ummah. Ummah means the Muslim group soul. Like the high. Right. I urge our, all members of the Ummah to support communist insurrections wherever they may be occurring. Because communism and Islam are the same thing. Unquote. There he said. And he was right. Yeah, he said it all. Communism he was right. yeah. and Islam are the same thing. Another point about Sharia law. You can never have Sharia law in the United States unless you overthrow the United States. Because Sharia law is antithetical to the U.S. Constitution. The U.S. Constitution prohibits Sharia law. The U.S. Constitution prohibits cruel and unusual punishment. The U.S. Constitution prohibits polygamy. And these were, uh, and the U.S. Constitution prohibits the immigration of anyone who cannot affirm their loyalty and their fealty to the government of the United States and espouses the establishment of an alternative government. That's why communists were banned from the United States because they preached the overthrow of the U.S. government and the Constitution. Mm -hmm. And that's why Muslims were banned in the 1950s by the McCarran Act, A, because they practiced polygamy, B, they cannot uh, um, assimilate into loyalty. this country. No, no, they, they won't cannot take over. swear an oath of loyalty to the country. Right. Yeah, and they don't assimilate to our country. establishment of an Islamic form of government. Right. Mm-hmm. The Islamic State. Uh, Robert, we're, we're all out of time. It's uh, It always flies by when you're on the show here with me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to have you back on soon because there's so much political stuff happening. Uh, I love the fact that you're doing more and more podcasting on your own, my friend. Your voice needs to be heard. Give Thank the you. audience again the show times where they can listen. Uh, any websites? I want you right. to go, go ahead, right. and I want to have you back on soon. You got a promise? Right. Uh, well, Revolution Radio. All you have to do is remember Revolution Radio. That's it. Sundays, okay. And Studio A. So uh, three o'clock to five o'clock on Sundays. My partner, Scott Teeters, and I do the summation to the nation of Morningstar News. And then we have fabulous guests, you know, uh, in, in every in every topic. And, of course, um, I have two websites dealing with UFOs. Of course, mm-hmm. you know UFO Digest. But I'm right. very proud to say that um, my other website, UFO Spotlight, the UFO Spotlight on WordPress, has uh, is what saved... UFO Digest, because UFO Digest was attacked and hacked and disabled, mm. and the only way that I could keep it going was to open a mirror site. Actually, it became, UFO Digest became the mirror, but I have a, I have a wonderful, a wonderful article. Uh, it's called UFO Digest Editor Reports 
UFO uh, sightings over New York City. And it's a detailed account of seven UFO experiences that I have had at the Soldiers and Sailors Monument in New York City, where I teach Tai Chi Chuan. And they happened, four, uh, uh, five of them happened on a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at 11 in the morning. And the last one happened June 1st, when a huge UFO flew just over the buildings, floated up above a building, looking like a sphere, rolled over and turned into a disc and started to fly away, waving its wings. If you can think of a circular uh, object waving wings, Mm. it had an axis, a, a line of flight, and it would dip one side and then dip the other side uh, like airplanes rocking wings and it was signaling and I said to myself man that's a signal for happy flying so I'm very excited about it and I wrote a detailed report and I composed a photo facsimile of what I saw at the Soldiers and Sailors Monument and you can find it by going to wordpress dot UFO Spotlight or is it UFO Spotlight dot wordpress dot com or if you we'll, just Google, we'll do this. Uh, we'll we'll, fit, we'll we'll put it on uh, on the website oh, yeah, on, the, on my website. Yeah. Uh, send I me a link and, and I'll send it to everybody. So I did send it to you already in Facebook. So if you could yes. copy that from our chat, please do it. I'm very happy to share that with everyone. And, that, uh, that's going to get posted immediately on uh, on my main website, angelspino.com. Great. And uh, you know, I'm taking the show on the road soon, uh, Robert, and hopefully we can meet up before we both join Art Bell in the Sky. And uh, we, we we fly off into the uh, sunset. I uh, hope we can meet up. And uh, it's been a long time coming. I'm taking the show on the road uh, within the next couple of months. Uh, I'm looking to be in uh, your neck of the woods. And uh, hopefully we can do this live in in my live rolling studio, which I plan to take. I'm glad to hear that. I'll help you with your foot. There you go. <laughs> I, I repair backs. I repair hips, knees, hips, spines, necks. <laughs> You're the and best. It works, man. <laughs> and, uh, so listen, uh, since we're off the air, I'd like to advise folks to go over to the other side of midnight and catch the show that we did for the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. And it has a wonderful ending. If you can stay up till three in the morning, you will Do hear, it. you will hear the welcoming of the Apollo 11 astronauts back to earth on the USS Hornet. And the last words of uh, President Nixon welcoming them, welcoming them back and making our dreams come true. Mm. And then he calls forth the U.S. Navy chaplain of the USS Hornet to invoke a prayer of thanksgiving for this, their safe return. And it ends with the most beautiful rendition of the national anthem played by the U.S. Navy band aboard the USS Hornet. So do yourself a favor and relive a wonderful moment in the past. Yes, we went to the moon, and we're going back. Space Force, everybody. Exactly. Robert, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much thank for being with me, and uh, a pleasure again to hear your voice. And uh, we got to kick this dance around one more thank time you. very soon. Welcome back to the air, Radio Man. Thank Talk you, sir. Soon. Good night. Love you, sir. You're the man. That, folks, is the great, iconic Robert D. Morningstar. We went a little bit over... Uh, our apologies to uh, the great uh, Dr. J, who's of course uh, on live. Uh, well, 
it's pre-recorded, but we have to promise them uh, that we're going to, uh, you know, have him on after the show here every Sunday. So he's going to be up next now. Uh, stick around for that if you want. But if not, go over and check out Robert's uh, show. Uh, again, Revolution Radio, you can listen to it live there every um, you know, Sunday. time that he, every Sunday when he mentioned, we're going to post it on the website, angelspino.com. I'm going to post this info on there uh, to make it easier for my listeners. Just go to the website within the next uh, few hours. It's going to be on the front page. I'm including a banner, by the way, which I'm going to put together for you. I'm going to put it on my front page to give you more coverage. And uh, once we get rolling on the road, we're going to go see you up there, sir. Thank you so much. You're the man. Be sure to stop by. I'm looking forward to your visit. See you soon. Bye-bye. Take care, everybody. Good night, folks. Till next time.